You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Podcast. Well, if you have your Bibles, look with me to Matthew chapter 13 or whatever means of technology you may be using to access God's Word. Even for those watching online, grab your Bibles. Matthew 13, you can take the sermon notes there if you'd like to follow along. This morning we're launching into a new series And we're going to spend the next few weeks, actually the next five weeks, looking into the words of Jesus as we study some of the parables that he told. You know, Jesus was not only the Son of God, but he was like the master communicator. He knew how to like captivate the crowds with riveting stories that challenged their thinking and challenged their lifestyles. He knew how to take complicated truths, things that were difficult to understand, and make them simple. He knew how to take things that... People understood and used them to communicate truth and principles that would would change their lives. And all of this is captured in the parables that Jesus told. So a parable is a like a word picture which uses an image or story to illustrate a truth or lesson. It's a it's a story that comes alongside of a truth or truths to make them understandable. It, it creates kind of like a a mini drama and picture language that describes. Uh, the reality being illustrated, it, it defines the unknown by, by using the known. It helps us as, as listeners to discover like deeper meaning and, and the underlying truth of the reality being portrayed in the words that Jesus spoke. How, how many of you have ever heard this phrase, a picture is worth a thousand words? Have you? Yeah, probably everyone. So what do we mean by that? It's like when you see the picture, all of a sudden what you, you gain a lot of understanding and like you don't need a lot of words to go along with that. But it's the it's the picture that that brings understanding of, of what's happening. And um, Jesus, he certainly knew that. So what he painted these word pictures that help us grasp truth. It's interesting in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, like one third of the three Gospels are parables that Jesus told. So we find a lot of stories that Jesus told as he was communicating truth to the crowds, as he was challenging the dead religion of the day, as well as discipling his followers. What did he use? He used parables. He used his stories. And and these parables not only held deep truth for the disciples then, they hold still deep truth for us today. In other words, they were not just for then, they're for us today. Matter of fact, turn to your neighbor and say, the parables still work today. Go ahead and tell them. But it's truth for us today, because I think oftentimes when we come to the Bible, maybe we read a parable, we read a story, and we think, well, that was about back then, and certainly it happened in a time and a place back then, but what is the truth that God would want to communicate to us today from that story, from that parable? And not only is Jesus truth, but he revealed truth through the stories, the parables that he told that would that would better help us understand what it means to be active participants in God's kingdom. In God's kingdom, if, if you're a Christ follower, then you're a part of God's kingdom. You're like a citizen of God's kingdom. And as citizens of God's kingdom, we're not called to be observers, we're called to be participants, right? Are you with me? A participant is what? Some, uh, uh, excuse me, an observer is someone who sits on the sidelines watching Life, watching the game happen. Just yesterday, college football kind of cranked back up. And if you're a sports fanatic like I am, you may have watched a couple of the games. But what's interesting, in a football game, there are going to be some professional games today, is you have like 22 players on the field who are killing themselves, and then you have folks on the sidelines who are watching it happen. 
or folks in the stands who are watching it happen. The stands are a little empty right now, but in times past, what the stands would be packed, and you got 22 guys on the field who are like in the game. Everyone else is just watching the game happen. And if we're not careful, we can fall into that tendency as it relates to how we live out our faith. And God's not called you to be an observer of the kingdom. He's called you to be a participant of the kingdom. And the kingdom's happening right now in the Lake Norman community. Nod your head if you're with me. So it's not just about future. There's a future kingdom that we're going to be a part of when Jesus comes back for the church, for, for believers, and we're raptured. There's a future kingdom, but there's a here and now. There's a present kingdom, and we're called to be participants in the kingdom. So these parables are not just stories to be read, it's truth to be lived. Truth to be lived of, of kingdom principles to be lived out in our lives. It's interesting that the Hebrew word for the word parable is riddle. A riddle. The, the Greek word, the New Testament was written in Greek. The, the, uh, the translation of, of parable in the Greek means to throw alongside, a story thrown thrown alongside. So as we think of the parables, what they're, they're riddles thrown alongside our story to help us understand truths to be lived. So again, don't take yourself out of it. Bring yourself into the story because the stories are about who? They're about us, about kingdom, about kingdom principles. So there are stories to be continued as we're walking out our faith. The first two parables that we want to look into today are are two different word pictures that communicate the same truth. We read two parables, but they're pointing us to, to the same truth. And Jesus used these, these two different stories to illustrate this, how, how he values you. He, he uses these stories to illustrate this, how precious you are in God's eyes, how precious you are to him. Possibly you've been told that you're damaged goods. Possibly you've been told that your life doesn't have meaning. Possibly you've been told by maybe a number of folks. Maybe as you were growing up at home, you were, t- you were told, you were taught, words were spoken over you like you have no significance. Your life will never mean anything. And what's interesting, that's just the opposite. It's the exact opposite of what God the Creator says about you about who you are. Matter of fact, let's, let's read what God has to say about who you are. In Matthew chapter 13, beginning with verse 44, the kingdom of heaven is like. So notice he's saying the kingdom of heaven, the God's kingdom played out on earth. The kingdom of God that's happening is like this. Here's the analogy. It's like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it. Again, and, and then in his joy, he went and noticed, sowed all that he had, and he bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he had found one of great value, he went away and sowed everything he had, and he bought that pearl. Now, as we look at these two parables, there's different perspectives as to the truth that Jesus was conveying. You know, any parable can have more than one application of the significant truth that Jesus was communicating. Like there could be multiple insights that we can gain from, from, from any one parable. For, you know, for many years as I read this parable, and you know, I've been following Jesus since I was four, and I've read through the Gospels, you know, who knows how many times, 
But every time in the past when I read this parable, this is how I interpreted. This is the set of lenses through which I saw the parable. It's like, wow, the kingdom of heaven is like this treasure hidden in the field. When a man found it, he sowed, he hid it, and then he went and sowed all he had to buy it. The way I interpreted the parable was this, is that man is searching for life, and when he finds the life, the life that God offers, then he sells everything to go after that life. Now, I, I would not say, how many of you have always read the parable that way? That's been the set of lenses that you've looked at. I'm not saying that's wrong, but could there be another truth? Could there be another application? Could there be another insight into this passage of Scripture that, that God is trying to communicate to us? And, and, and I believe there is. Recently, as I was digging into this, I began to see these two parables in a totally different light. Now, again, please don't send me emails this week. I'm not saying one is right and the other's wrong. What I'm simply saying is, is there's two different ways we can look at this parable that that communicate two different truths, and both, both are significant. So as we look to these two parables, we need to ask, are we represented by the man or the treasure? So if you're watching online, in the chat line there, type in, what do you think? Are we represented by the man or the treasure? Are we represented by the merchant or the pearl? Are we doing the seeking? Are we the object of the seeking? Because how you answer that question changes the application of this parable. Again, I'm not saying one's right and the other's wrong. I just want to give you a different set of lenses to look at these two parables through this morning. And we, are, we are the items of great value. We are the ones that God is seeking out. Interesting, in Luke chapter 19, there's a story of a man called Zacchaeus. How many of you heard the story of Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. So what? He climbs up in a tree. Remember that? He climbs up in a tree. Jesus comes down this road, the road to Jericho. And he actually calls Zacchaeus down from the tree, goes and has lunch with him, spends the afternoon with him. What's interesting, Luke chapter 19, verse 10 says this, the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. To seek after, to look for, to seek and save that which was lost. Jesus came on a rescue mission to rescue and redeem what was the treasure, what was valuable being that of humanity. So in the parable of the treasure, the man represents Jesus And he discovers a treasure being you, and he sells all that he has, and he gives his life, what, to purchase the treasure. See, Jesus went to the cross for you. Why? Because you are the valued treasure that he was seeking. You are the valued treasure that he wanted to redeem, that he wanted to call his own. In John chapter 3, verse 16, you're probably familiar with this verse. The scripture says, for God so loved the world. That he did what? He gave. God so loved you that he gave. Make it personal this morning. God so loved Don that he sent Jesus for Don because she's a treasure. God so loved Chad. Why? Because he's a treasure. 
God so loved Chad. He was like crazy. And we wonder, what's wrong with God, right, Chad? (laughs) But God so loved Chad. That what? He did something that was outrageous. He sent his son to die for Chad, for Don, for Rosie. Amazing. So in this parable, again, looking at it through maybe a little different set of lenses this morning, the man represents Jesus, and you're the treasure. In the parable of the pearl, the merchant represents again Jesus. He discovers a, a pearl of great value, and he sells all he has, and he gives his life to purchase the pearl. So think of the merchant as the pearl expert. Like he's studied pearls, he's handled pearls, he's, he's like looked at a lot of different pearls, but when he finds the one of great value, the one that is precious, he sells all he has to purchase the pearl. And Jesus represented the merchant who gave his all to purchase us, to redeem, to redeem us. See, God, God's not the one who's hidden or lost, but we are. God is the one who's doing the search and he's paid the ultimate price of sending his son to die that we might live. You know, you only pay the price for something if you consider it worth the price tag. Would you agree with that? If you look at something and you think the price tag is like outrageous, then what you, you, you walk away from it. But if you buy it, you purchase that item, whatever the item is, because, because of its value to you. Again, if it's not worth the price tag, you don't buy it. Jesus knew the price to get his children back, and he believed it was well worth it. Listen, in God's eyes, you are so valuable. You're considered priceless to him. That's why Jesus paid the ultimate price. For you. Because you're the treasure. You're the pearl of great price. You know, 1 Corinthians 6.20 says this, You were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body. Now if you look on to 1 Corinthians 7.23, it says you were bought at a price. Well, don't become slaves of men. So as we look at these two parables, Jesus told about a treasure in a field and a priceless pearl. We see that these two items represent us. Jesus paid the ultimate price to redeem us, to bring us into his family. He Listen, he wanted us. He sought us out. And he paid the price to redeem us by giving his life. Now we belong to him. We've been redeemed. What To live as citizens of his kingdom present here in this reality. So from these two parables, let me really quick give you just some truth to live out. Some truth to live out. The first is this. Your value is determined not by what others say, not by what kind of car you drive, not by the address you live at, not by what's in your bank account. Your value is determined by the image that you bear. You know, Jesus often used stories and illustrations like these two parables we read this morning when speaking to the crowds, and through that he fulfilled what, what the scripture had said. Matter of fact, if you go back up, if you still have your scripture open, chapter 13, verse 35. So in the same context, in the same context, verse 35 reads like this, and I will open my mouth in parables, and I will utter things hidden since the creation of the world. So Jesus was telling parables 
the revealed truth that had been hidden from the creation of the world. So if we want to fully understand what Jesus was talking about, then what we have to go back to the creation of the world. We have to go back to the beginning. And as we go back to the beginning, what we find is like pretty amazing. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, speaking of the account of creation on the sixth day, what we know is God created Adam and Eve. God created mankind. But I want you to listen to how the scripture reads. Then God said, let us make man in our image and our likeness. So we're made in the image of who? God. Turn to your neighbor and say, hey, you're made in the image of God. Well, you were crafted. Mankind crafted. And listen, nothing else in all of God's creation was created in the image and likeness of God. Only humanity. Only people. Scripture goes on to say, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Drop on down to verse 31. Scripture says, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Very good. That very, the Hebrew phrase there, very good, could also be translated valuable. It was very valuable. It was very, um, it, it was, um, like priceless. What's interesting, if you look at the creation story, and I encourage you to dig this out. Listen, don't just believe what I say. Get into God's word and find it to be true. If you look at the creation story on the first day, second day, third day, fourth day, fifth day of creation, after God finished creating in that day, he said it is good. It's good. But interesting, when he created mankind on the sixth day, he says this is very good. Very good. What? Speaking of the wonder of creation, the wonder of humanity. And get this. This was on the sixth day he created man. On the seventh day he rested. So he's saying this is very good before humanity had done anything. Before Adam and Eve had done anything. Listen, they hadn't multiplied. They hadn't organized. They hadn't strategized. They had done nothing. And God says this is very good. The wonder of his creation. Mankind. Made in the image and the likeness of God. So God declares us what? Very valuable. But where does the value come from? It comes from the fact that you and I were created in the image and likeness of God. The authentic image gives and determines value. For example, the value of a $100 bill is not based on where it's been. Right? Right? It's not based on exactly how nice or neat it looks. The value of a $100 bill is given its value, what? Because of the image that it, it bears. I, I mean, think, think with me for a moment. I, I know it may be difficult to see if you're in the back, but what I have here is a $1 bill. You know whose image is on the $1 bill? Thank you. So help me out. Whose image is on the one dollar bill? George Washington. Listen, you have more of George's than you have anything else. So when we see George Washington's image on this bill, we know that this bill is worth one dollar. Why? Because that's the image on the bill. But if you see a bill that has 
a Benjamin Franklin on it, you realize, what? It's worth, why do you know it's worth $100? Because it has the image of Benny's on it, right? Now, if, if I were to offer you this morning, uh, here, here's a George Washington or here's a Benjamin Franklin, which would you choose? Come on, don't try to be so holy. I know this is church and I know it's Sunday, but also know there's some humanity in the room. If I were to offer you a George or a Benny, which would you take? Benny. You would take Benny. Why? Because the image on it says it has greater value. Now, what's interesting is these two bills are about the same size or exactly the same size. They're similar in color, even similar in markings. What makes them different? One's worth a dollar, one's worth a hundred. Why? Because of the image that it bears. Hear me, friend. This morning, you're valuable because of the image that you bear. You were made in the image and the likeness of God. So Whether things are going well or not, whether you're feeling great or whether you're feeling gloom, listen, because you were created in the image of God, what you are of the highest value. So don't, listen, don't allow the people around you, the circumstances you've experienced or the world you live in to determine your value. God declares this this morning, that you are his treasure. You are the hidden treasure he purchased. Listen, you are the pearl of great price that he sought out. Your value. Your value is determined by the image that you bear. Matter of fact, you are so valuable to God that he paid the ultimate price. God sent his son into our troubled world and our troubled situation to redeem us, to redeem humanity. It's interesting. The word redeem literally means to purchase at a price. The word redeem means to buy back by paying the price. So you're so valuable What that God paid the ultimate price. I mean, think with me for a moment. What is a thing or object worth? What is a thing or object worth? Let, let, let me show you a, a few objects. This is a baseball Signed by, uh, if you can't see it, Joe DiMaggio and Marilyn Monroe. Pretty interesting. Not just any old baseball. Baseball signed by Joe DiMaggio and Marilyn Monroe. How much would you pay for it? We're going to auction it off this one. Would you get five bucks? Ten bucks? How much would you pay for this baseball? Get this, in 2006, this baseball was auctioned off for $191,200. Would you pay that much for it? Isn't that crazy? Like, who would do that? Or, or how about this? How much would you pay for Dorothy's ruby slippers? Just an old pair of shoes, right? They were actually worn by Dorothy when The Wizard of Oz was filmed in the year 1939. So how much would you pay for them? Interesting, in the year 2000, they were auctioned off, get this, for $660,000. To sit on a shelf and draw dust. Come on, $660,000! Here's one more image. How much would you pay for a postcard? Actually, this is... This is an image of the world's oldest postcard. It was sent to Theodore Fulham in the year 1840. 
2002, it was auctioned off for $41,758 for a piece of paper, friends. My, my, my point being this, what's something worth? It's worth what someone's willing to pay for it. And what does Jesus pay for your life? What did God pay to redeem us? To purchase us. He sent his son into our world to become like us so that he could rescue us. To save us, it required Jesus experiencing rejection and pain and ultimately death. That was the price. If you're wondering about what kind of value your life has, look to the cross. In John 15, 13, Jesus said, Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. 1 Peter 1.18 says, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Listen, as, as Jesus hung on the cross, in essence, God the Father was saying, You're worth it. You're worth it. Looking forward to September the 13th, 2020, at Grace Covenant. He was looking forward to this moment, and he's saying, this about your life, you're worth it. You're the treasure. You're the pearl of great price. And people may see you as damaged goods or junk, but God sees you as a valued treasure. Maybe today you struggle with your own worth. Maybe you struggle with what others have spoken over you. Maybe you struggle with the things of your past, sin of your past, past failures. Maybe you struggle with your secret addictions. Do these remove or lessen your value to God? I would say absolutely not. I mean, think with me about this this morning, if I can again. Use this as a point of illustration. How much is a nice, crisp $100 bill worth? It's not a trick question. How much is a nice, crisp Benjamin Franklin worth? $100. If I take this and wad it up, step on it a little bit, Maybe get it a little dirty. I don't have dirt up here this morning. Now it's all crimpled, crimpled up and crunched up. How much is it still worth? Still worth $100, right? No matter what it's been through. No matter the fact that it might be a little rough around the edges, might have a few wrinkles, it's still worth $100. Why? Because of the image that it bears. And so it would be true of your life. Do we have blunders in our lives? Sure, we all do. Do we have failures in our past? Sure, we all do. Do we have present realities that we're struggling with? I think if we're honest this morning, we all do. But hear me, that doesn't lessen your value to a God who loves you outrageously. Again, you are. You are the valued treasure. Seeking out. You, you are the, the pearl of great price. 
In Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for the, us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, if you notice in the parable of the treasure, the man finds the treasure, and, and most likely, the story doesn't say this, but most likely the treasure was probably hidden in some dirt. But get this, the dirt doesn't lessen the value. The treasure in the dirt is still valuable. I think oftentimes that's kind of a picture of our lives is if we get dirty, we're the treasure in the dirt, but the dirt doesn't lessen the value of the treasure. The man still goes and sells all he has that he might have this treasure, even in its dirty state. The Christ sees our value in spite of all the broken, messy, value-distorting fears and sin that we've covered ourselves in. And Jesus, get this, because of you, Jesus set aside his divine privileges and he, and he took on the form of a baby in a manger and he becomes a savior on the cross. Why? Because you're that valued treasure. You're that pearl of great price. So on the cross, I believe that Jesus was the man and the merchant who sold everything he had. To pay for the treasure that had been hidden. The pearl of great price to him. In Christ you were bought with a price. So now live as the one truly valued by God. Allow that truth to anchor you. Allow that truth to shape how you process life. Listen, don't allow others to belittle you or, or convince you that you're not valued. That you're not valued or you're not valuable. Listen, hear me friend. God loves you outrageously. You are the treasure that he sought out. You're the treasure that he's seeking. Don't believe the lie of the enemy that says you're like you've gone too far. You've messed up too much for God to want you. No, hear me, friend. You are the pearl of great price. One that God's crazy about. Created in his image and his likeness to live in relationship with him. That was God's plan. Still God's plan today. See, we couldn't rescue ourselves. Like the treasure, listen, the treasure couldn't find itself. The pearl of, the pearl of great pride, it couldn't find itself. We, listen, we, we couldn't find ourselves. We couldn't rescue ourselves. We couldn't save ourselves. So what did God do? God took action. And he sent his son to become like us. The man seeking the treasure, the merchant purchasing the pearl. It's this amazing picture of the wonder of how God sees you and the value that you have to God. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you this morning for your outrageous love. I thank you, God, that you so loved the world. God, that you so loved us. That you sent your son on a search and rescue mission. That you sent your son to die that we might have life. That we might have hope. In the midst of the craziness of our world. Wow. God, thanks for such radical love. 
with every head bowed and eye closed, for those watching online, possibly you're here today and you say, wow, I never knew God loved me so much. Friend, he does. He does. Possibly you were not aware that he sent his son, Jesus, to die, that you might be rescued. Why? Because you're so valuable. If you're here today and you you would say, wow, I, I, I didn't realize that. If you're here today and, you, and, you, and you've never invited Christ into your life, if you've never made the decision to open your life to the wonder of his great love, I want to give you that opportunity right now. Whether you're watching online or you're here present, if you're here today and you would just say, Hey, Pharaoh, I I, want to know Jesus Christ as my Savior. I want to open my life to that kind of salvation, to that kind of radical love. Never done that before, but I want to do it right now. Is there anyone, just by lifting your hand up, just want to pray with you. Amen. I see that hand in the back. Anyone else would say, Hey, that's me today. Today, I want to receive Christ as my Savior. If you're watching online, if that's you, please just right there in the chat line say, Hey, today I want to accept Christ. We have individuals who will be connecting with you. But anyone else here in the sanctuary would say, Hey, that's me today. I need Jesus in my life. Would you repeat this prayer after me as we pray with the individual? Lord Jesus, thank you for giving your life that I might have life. I ask you today to forgive me of my sin. I invite you into my heart to be my Lord and Savior. It's my desire to live my life for you. While every head's bowed, let me ask you one more question. Possibly you're here today and you know Christ as your Savior, but you've been struggling with your worth. You've been struggling with your identity. Maybe, maybe you grew up in a home where you told you, you you would never amount to anything. Maybe you've had some negative influence in your life. Possibly you've bought into the lie of the enemy that says you're damaged goods and God could never love you. Listen, that's so far from the truth. You are the valued treasure. You are the pearl of great price. If that's you this morning, I I just want to pray with you and for you that you would go out of this place with a different view of who you are because of what God says about you. Because you bear His image. And He paid the ultimate price for you. Listen, that's a statement of value. So if you're here today and you just say, hey, that's me, pray with me. Is there anyone who would just say, yeah, that's me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Lord, I pray today for my friends. Lord, I don't know what has happened in their life that's brought them to the place they are today. But Lord, I come against the lie. Lord, whether it's the lie of the enemy or the lie that someone else has spoken over them. God, we break that lie. And Lord, I pray today that they would hear and know that this truth would be sealed in their heart. Because it changes everything about how we do life. Lord, I pray that they would know that you, they are they they are the trow, the treasured the the treasure that you value. They are the pearl of great price. Lord, may they see that. May they know that. And may they live that. May they be able to anchor themselves to that truth. And may it shape, Lord, how they do life from this point forward.
And whenever the enemy comes with that lie that, that challenges their worth, their identity, Lord, I pray that you would bring them back to these two parables. They would be reminded that they are the treasure and they are the pearl of great price. Lord, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. For Amen. more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.